Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But we've been in a series, right? We've been in a series called A Summer to Live, and we've talked about so many different things, and it's been such a fun series, and we've, we have two more installments of our summer to live before we get done after this week. And, and today I wanted to give you a little bit of a, of a secret, something that I think sometimes people struggle with. And, and the bottom line is, is if you're gonna live a life that's like, woohoo, then you gotta learn to celebrate. Like I know some people that like, they like, man, they, I love life. And I'm like, well, you need to tell your face because nobody knows that you have joy. Nobody knows, like, have you ever been in those situations? I think to Christmas, like, like when people give you a gift, that's an action that is requiring something greater as a reaction, right? It's like we're kind of judging to see how things are. And I think sometimes that's how people judge us when it comes to our life. I want to be real careful to not, not get off course today. But I I truly believe that being contagious is just as much as a spiritual gift and a calling that every Christian should have in their life as much as being faithful. I believe that God has called his people to be contagious. And you cannot be contagious if you don't look like you have anything worth having. You know what I'm saying? You, you, and I don't want to go too far, but, but everybody's got those people in their minds. And so today, I've entitled this message very simple, Learn to Celebrate. And before you go, well, Mickey, that sounds real good, but what does God's Word say about that? Well, I'm going to show you. Do you realize that God Himself, and this is just the introduction, but God Himself in the Old Testament created many different festivals that was built around celebrating. You had the festival of booths. You had these different festivals of the tabernacle. You had the Passover. And you say, well, that what it was. It was to remember God, to remember where the joy came from, and to celebrate. In fact, some of the things that we still do as a church, as a New Testament church, there's really two ordinances in God's Word that we still practice, that we do in remembrance of who Christ is, and that's baptism, and that's also the Lord's Supper. And when we do those things, it should be a celebration. Like when somebody is baptized, it's that they were dead and made alive, not alive and made dead. And so it should be a celebration. When we come to worship, it should be a celebration. Now, I'm not one of these guys that goes, well, you know, up in Tennessee, everybody hoots and hollers and 108,000 people, and that's hard to be in. You know, that's the way it should be in church. That's different. That's a football game. But we should, as believers, know and learn how to celebrate. So the question is, well, Mickey, why are most people in the church life struggling with the aspect of celebration? And I'm gonna hopefully give you that answer today. And I think it starts with realizing what has to be present in your life in order to have a celebratory life. It's one simple word. 
I've already said it. Joy. There's a lot of people that the reason why they don't celebrate and the reason why they don't have a celebratory life is because to, just to be flat out honest, they don't have joy. They may have experienced Christ. They may have accepted Christ. But rather than finding a group of people that is life-giving, they found people that are life-sucking and they are miserable, they are struggling, and they lack joy. And so you say, well, Mickey, that's, that's not very encouraging. I hope the barbecue is better than your message because this is not encouraging at all. This is supposed to be a celebration. Well, listen to me. I wanna give you the key to where the joy comes from. And you're gonna find it if you have your Bibles, whether it be a paper or whether it be uh, on a tablet or whether it be your phone, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And we're gonna be all over God's word this morning as I, as I do this simple message of saying, learn to celebrate. But I want us to start in the very last verse of verse 11. All right, so John chapter 15, verse 11. It's just two words. And then we're gonna give you some background. And it says this in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you. Underline those first two words, these things. Like that's key. Whenever you study God's word and you see stuff like these things or the word therefore, you should see, well, what is it there for? What are the these things? Because he said, these things I have spoken to you, and we're gonna come back to that scripture, but before we can understand, we need to know, well, what's the these things? You're not gonna see these scriptures, but I will give you the quick paraphrase. It's verses one through nine in this chapter, and it's where Jesus is talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches. And people that are attached to me will bear much fruit. And the really cool part is he's talking about those that aren't attached to me, they will not bear fruit. But he has this concept, catch this, listen to me, your purpose and your difference and the fruitfulness of your life is key to where you're gonna find joy. Most people think they're gonna find joy in task. Most people think they're gonna find joy in accomplishments. I'm telling you, from knowing people and being a person that has accomplished many tasks and done many different things as far as achievement, you get to the end of it just to go, well, that really wasn't worth it. But when you discover your purpose and you see a difference being made, all of a sudden there's something that builds up in you and all of a sudden it becomes very joyful. You have joy in your life. In fact, let's just read what God's word says. Verse 11, let's finish. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You're like, well, Mickey, that's what I want. I want God's joy to be in me and I want that joy to be full. What is one of the keys to that? Going back to the previous, you gotta learn to bear much fruit. Like, me and my wife, we garden. And I'll be honest with you, I would not do all that work to get a tomato. If I did all that work and got a tomato, I would go down to the grocery store and I would buy a tomato. But when all these tomatoes come in and when all the corn comes in 
And when all that, like, you know it's been a good year when you're like, I really don't feel like going and picking that garden anymore. But you go do it. Why? Because then you get to kind of sit down and you just, you look and you're like, look at all these vegetables. Look at all these different things. Like you're sitting at a meal and it's fun because you're talking to the kids and they ask you the question like, hey, did this come from the garden? Did this come from the garden? And we're like, yeah, that came from the garden. Yeah, that came from the garden. Yeah, no, we don't have cows. That didn't come from the garden. All right, no, we don't have a Cheeto plant. That didn't come from the garden. But it's like, but yes, and it's, it's the fruit, right? And we enjoy things that we can put our hands in, that we can work, even though it may be tough, we enjoy those things when there's fruit that lets us know that this is worth doing. I'm gonna chase a real quick rabbit. If you want to, I'm gonna talk to everybody that's in their 20s, okay? If you talk to those that are fixing to be in their 50s or 60s, when it comes to a career, they would tell you that your paycheck may be fun when you're 22, but if that's the only fruit of your job, you'll be miserable when you get to your 50s. Like a paycheck can't be the biggest fruit and motivation behind what you do when it comes to work. Chase that rabbit a little bit further. This wasn't planned. I'm gonna do it really quickly. If you will learn to let your work be worship, it'll change the way you live. And just mental note, I just, I just need to work on a message to explain that a little bit better. But you can literally let what you do, your work, to be a worship to Jesus Christ and to what he's called you to, and it'll change the way you work. But getting back on task here, one of the reasons why most people struggle and the reason why they don't live a life that's celebratory and they don't celebrate is because they don't have any joy. And the reason why they don't have any joy is because if they were to look at their life, there's no fruit. Now, another different kind of rabbit trail. I have learned that if the only fruit that's produced in my life is the fruit that I consume, I still live an unfulfilled life. I have personally learned that the fruit that I'm looking for is not the fruit that I consume, but the fruit from my life that other people can consume. And it motivates them. It makes all of us move forward in life. It's not just me going on the journey going, woohoo, I'm over here, this is great. <laughs> you guys need to get it together. Like it's for all of us to go together. And I want you to know that's what he's talking about when he says, and I, because of these things, I'm, I'm gonna put this joy in you and, and so that this joy will be full. And if you were to read the verse prior to that, and I don't have time this morning, he gives you a hint. Not only is it about you having a life that is fruitful, but it's also about keeping his commandments. Like going back to the garden. I can't just like go dig a hole and throw all kinds of seed in it and cover it up and come back and go, well, where's the garden? Like there's things I have to do to get the garden ready. It's not digging one hole and throwing corn and throwing green beans and throwing, like and covering up me. Like I don't know why I don't have all these fruit in my life. Like there's a little bit of work. There's a process. Totally different side note. That process for you and for me is called a journey. I just wanna, one more rabbit. Can you please give everybody an opportunity to go on the journey? That may not be where you are with the fruit. You may be a tomato plant that's like falling over because there's so much fruit. And they may just be popping out of the ground, but listen to me. That doesn't make them any less. It just means they're different in the journey. But if we can understand the joy concept, then we'll be able to move forward. In fact, the reason why I wrote that in my notes, and here's what I put, 
Your joy is linked to your purpose and the fruitfulness of your life. If you do not learn to experience joy, then you will not be fruitful and you will not live a celebratory life and you are going to grow and be, I I mean, I love you, but listen to me. You are going to grow up and you're gonna be that guy on that movie called Grumpy Old Men. Or you're gonna be that lady on that movie that you're just like, goodness, what is wrong with her? You know what I'm saying? Like, just don't, it's a choice. You don't have to be any of those things. But you also can't make the choice to just keep letting life be miserable and not experiencing God's joy. The reason why this is important is because I truly believe that joy is the cornerstone to celebrating. I, I joke around about Tennessee football way too much. And I've went up to Neyland and watched us get our eyeballs beat in. And yes, I said us. I never made a play, never made a snap, but it was us. Like I did my part. I was an awesome fan cheering the whole time and telling the coach how that was a terrible call. And when we got beat by, when I went down to the SC Championship and got beat by LSU and we didn't get to go to the Rose Bowl and you say, why do you know all that? It's embarrassing, but I'm a Tennessee fan. I left Atlanta driving home and I was like, I will never go to another SEC Championship. This is stupid. We fought all the crowds. We did all this parking. Now I'm late on Saturday. I got church on Sunday. Like this is just miserable. I don't even know why anybody would want to do this. And then somebody said, you want to go to this? Yeah, I'll go again. <laughs> Let's go. But at, on that moment, it wasn't very celebratory when it wasn't very joyful because it was like, we just got our eyeballs beat in. But by golly, last year, yes, I will bring it up. We beat a certain team. Next thing you know, there's smoke coming out of the top of Neyland. They've got the goalpost on them in the river. We are singing Dixieland Delight all night long. I show up for church, and I am happy, 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 happy. I have more joy than I've ever had in my life. Somebody said, yeah, that's the first time y'all beat us in blah, blah, blah years. And I was like, I don't care what you tell me, because all I know is we did beat you last night. And it's one of those things, it's like, oh, man. Like, it's amazing how joy, and here's a word, you ready? No, you'll not find it in God's word, but it's really something you should have. And how fun and how this links to our lives and it makes us contagious. It makes it something that other people wanna be around. And so what I wanna talk about, I wanna read you one quote and then I wanna dive in So just one thing as far as areas that we should learn to celebrate. But let me read you a quote from Oswell Chambers. He said, joy comes from seeing the complete fulfillment of the specific purpose for which you were created and born again, not from successfully doing something of your own choosing. And so if you're taking notes, I wanna give you out of God's word a few simple areas that you should start looking at that you need to learn to celebrate. The first area is out of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you were turned to Nehemiah chapter eight, you don't have to turn there because it'll be on your screen, but Nehemiah chapter eight in verse nine, it's an amazing story. If you remember anything about Nehemiah, he had this calling to rebuild the wall. 
Now, in that time, Jerusalem, the wall had been torn down, and, and there, so there's a lack of protection. There's a lack of protection for God's people, and Nehemiah has this calling, like, not only to build the wall, but we're going to build it, we're going to build it quick, and we're going to build it right. And they got done building the wall, and the first area is in your task. You need to learn to be able to celebrate when you accomplish things. Sometimes, we are horrible to get done with something, and rather than celebrating, we move on. We don't stop to acknowledge what just took place. And that's what was happening in God's people. Can I read for you God's word? You can follow on the screen. It starts in verse nine. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people. Now listen, they have just built in 52 days, a wall around Jerusalem. Like that was a really big deal. And listen to how they're responding. They said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he, this is talking about Nehemiah, said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you have a paper Bible, underline that words. The joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the reasons why it's important for you to learn how to celebrate and to learn where the joy comes from is because listen to me, the joy of the Lord is where you're gonna find your strength. There are times where I can be physically exhausted, mentally wore out, spiritually dried up, but the joy of the Lord has a way of inspiring me to go do what he's calling me to do because the fruit that will hang on the tree. And then he keeps going, listen to these words. So the Levites, that would be the priest, okay? The Levites, calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. To give you a simpler understanding of what was going on in this passage in the Old Testament, when he was reading the law, he was instituting back what the Jewish people had walked away. And in the process of reading the law, and, and you can take time and read the book of Nehemiah, and it's all in there, they start, rather than celebrating the task and what God had allowed them to do, they start getting caught up in all the things that Nehemiah's telling them that they're going to do, and how God's going to use them, and how God's going to provide for them. And rather than being excited about it, all they can think about, and they're mourning and weeping, because they're, they're weeping about the people that didn't get to experience it. They're mourning because of the people that were disobedient. And they're looking at this law, here's the key, they think that God's law and being obedient in their life was gonna be something that they couldn't do. They weren't looking at all the things they could do. You ever met somebody like that? You start talking to them about scripture or God's word and Jesus and immediately they start kind of backing up. And the reason being is because they start thinking about all the things they can't do. And they don't think about the things that God's calling them and what they can do. We actually experience it every serve day. 
We had an amazing time yesterday, and, and here in just a second, we're going to show you a video. But do you know, as soon as we got everything packed up with the Serve Day giveaway, and when I say as soon, I'm like, literally, the trucks are pulling out to take the stuff that is left over to the restore where it can be repurposed and used to not only provide for people's needs, but also to build homes for Habitat for Humanity. And literally, uh, a grandmother walks up to me and my wife, and she starts telling us the story of everything that's been going on, and she didn't know about Serve Day, and she just found out about it, and she really is in need, and she's taking care of her grandchildren, and they don't, I mean, it was in 15 minutes. And even when we look, and I, and I go over to Miss Elsie, and I see her house, and I see the group that was over there, and the transformation that was happening with this amazing widow, and how we helped her get caught up, she starts crying. And she says, you don't understand. My house has never looked like this since my husband passed away. This used to be what we did together. And all of a sudden, I can start hearing these stories and I find myself getting emotional, not thinking about all the things that God has done, but thinking about all the stuff that's still there to do. That's the same concept going on in this Old Testament story. And it's about not only accomplishing tasks, but realizing the gravity of what you're doing and learning to celebrate it. And not to sit there and go, oh my goodness. But what else do we gotta do? And so listen to me. Here's what I want you to catch. A part of celebrating is making sure that you use tasks to be fruitful, not to consume you. I think a lot of times we get done with tasks and we just look back and we realize we, they, just, they just absolutely consumed us. They absolutely ate our lunch. In fact, I'll give you an easy way for you to understand if your life is built around tasks that are consuming you. If you say this, you're probably somebody that's consumed with tasks. Here's the saying. Man, it feels like yesterday it was Christmas. I can't believe it's Christmas again. Man, I can't believe we're celebrating. They're sick. My baby's turning 16. I feel like yesterday she was born. If you find yourself saying things like that, then I just want to lovingly kind of reach out a warning shot and say, you may be having tasks that are consuming you rather than you using tasks to be life-giving and to be fruitful. The second area, the second area I tell you that we need to learn to celebrate comes out of the prodigal son story. It's when people are allowed to go on their journey. You remember the story, right? The prodigal son, he goes to the, to the dad and he says, give me all my inheritance, give me everything, I want it all now. And he leaves and he squanders it and he ends up living, literally he's living with the pigs. And in that point where he's literally with the pigs, he's like, man, even if I could just be a slave to my father, I would have it better than where I am right now. And he comes back and the father sees him from a ways off and and the reason why he sees him from a ways off is because every day, guess what? The father's looking for him. And as soon as he looks and sees him, he recognizes him and he runs and he braces them. And literally, in Luke chapter 15, it says, and he tells them to get the fatted calf, to throw a party. My son was lost and now he's found. And he says, and they begin to celebrate. 
We need to learn to celebrate when people make progressions on their spiritual journey. We need to learn to celebrate where they came from, not immediately start talking to them about where they need to go. Oh, I'm so excited about what you did. Now I have a Bible study for the next eight weeks on Monday morning at 10 o'clock and we're gonna be studying the Gospel of John and because you love Jesus, you need to be there. And they're going, I, I, I work. <laughs> I mean, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we give everybody opportunities to move forward, but let's celebrate where they're coming from and anticipate where we're all going forward. In fact, you, you see this little bit of an attitude I'm trying to describe in the brother. You'll see the scripture on the screen. It's in Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. And it's the dad responding to the brother because the brother was upset. Because the brother's like, man, I, I've been here the whole time. Like, why are you giving this ring? Why are you killing all this? Why? Like, I never left you. I've been obedient the whole time. Why is he getting all the attention? And listen to what the dad says. You'll see it on the screen. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Like we have to learn to have joy for people when they make the steps on the journey that we call the spiritual growth. Not being condemning of the things they've done, not being critical of what they may or may not look like, not being real quick to tell them what they need to do. And if, if you really love Jesus, then you're going to do these things. But to be loving and kind and celebrate and say, man, I, here's what I'm so excited about, because you, you were lost and now you found. You were dead and now you're alive. But pastor, you don't understand. I, I got these tattoos. I, I got this baggage. I got these different relationships. I've got this addiction. I, listen, we'll deal with the future, the way God's word says, right? Be anxious in nothing. For if I take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, how much more will I not take care of you? He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Like, listen, I know you got a lot of questions, but listen to me. Let's just start seeking God first. And then we'll let him take care of the rest. And so all I want to do is celebrate because look at what God's done. And then the last part, not only do we want to learn to celebrate in the area when it comes to the task and when we accomplish stuff rather than just moving forward, not only do we want to celebrate people when they have made different steps on this spiritual growth, but we also want to learn to celebrate even when we're in the midst of the storms and trials. James chapter 1 verses 2 to 3 says what? It says this. It says, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face various trials. Because in those trials, you will know that that's where the perfection of your faith or where you will develop perseverance. See, joy is a very, very powerful thing that has a way of overcoming even when we're in the middle of the storm. 
So the last thing, and then I'm done, and we're going to go eat some barbecue. The last thing is like, okay, well, well, pastor, that sounds great. But how can I learn to celebrate? Well, there's two areas that I want to spur us on, and then we'll come back and revisit this concept a little bit later, about a month and a half from now. But the first area in which you can create an environment to be able to worship and celebrate and have joy is in the way we praise and worship Christ. Can I read for you Psalm, Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 150? And it says this, praise him with trumpet sounds. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalms 122.1 says, I was glad when they said, let me go into the house of the Lord. Like one of the things I want to encourage us to do as we move forward as a church is to create an environment and a culture. And a lot of us and a lot of you, I would say majority, most, almost all, you're here because you want to be here. And you get in here and you love it. But I want us to create a spirit of joy and worship. But I want us to come in here, and if we're going to learn to celebrate, we're going to have to learn where the joy comes from. And the best way to learn where the joy comes from is to learn to worship Him and to be joyful in the way that we worship. The last thing, the last thing that I think is an area, there's a lot of them. Again, we will come back to this in the future with a series that I'm working on. But you also will experience great joy if you learn to laugh. Like a lot of people, they just don't ever laugh. I was up with my mother, and we were going boating, and we started telling jokes. Now, right now, my wife is sweating bullets, and no, I'm not telling Nana's joke. But it's one of those things that, that my daughter, you know, we started telling, like, let's just tell us some funny jokes. And my daughter was like, okay, I got a joke for you. I was like, what's that? She goes, uh, what is a DJ's favorite sauce? And I was like... I have no idea. She goes, marinara. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. But one of the favorite things that I heard, because we just need to laugh, is, is there was an old boy named Billy. And Billy was very active in his church and had grown up and, and he had never gotten married. But he was respected. He was known as a man of truth. He was known as, I mean, he, he was one of the deacons. He had, they had actually recognized Billy and everything that he did, and despite his lack of a relationship with a wife, they turned around and they said, no, you know, he has done everything, and they made him like chairman of the deacons, like he was the one that helped lead the church in every single aspect. Well, Miss Sue, who was a widow, one day was driving home, and all of a sudden she gets home and she starts calling everybody. And she says, we gotta do something about Billy. And they're like, well, what's going on with Billy? Is something wrong? Did he have a heart attack? They said, no, no, no. She goes, she goes I, I saw Bill, Bill, Billy's got a problem. And they're like, well, Sue, will you tell us more? She goes, well, I, don't, I don't know if I can tell you more, but, but all I know is that, that I've noticed his truck has been parked in front of the bar for three days. And they're like, oh, well, what, what are we gonna do about this? And so she starts calling all of her friends, saying, we gotta do something about Billy. And finally, because nobody was doing anything, she went to Billy 
And she said, Billy, I want you to know that I've seen your truck parked in front of the bar for three straight days. And I don't know if you have a problem with alcohol. I don't know if you're an alcoholic. I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you and I hope that things get right. In which Billy did not say a word. That night, Sue went to sleep. Billy parked his truck in front of Sue's house and left it there for three days. <laughs> listen, the reason why I share that is, listen, don't get caught up in what you think is reality. Don't start writing other people's story and making things up. Why? Because not only does it steal their joy, but it eats you up and steals your joy too. And all of a sudden you find yourself not even celebrating. You know, why do I talk about laughter? Why do I talk about having fun? Why do we talk about this? Do you know that the Mayo Clinic actually has done a study and they say laughter, when they say, your laughter is good for the soul, it's actually true. Because when you laugh, you actually suck in and take in more oxygen than you normally do and it's really good for your organs. And because of that, it actually makes your blood pressure drop. And so when you've heard laughter is a good medicine, there's actually truth to that. You say, Mickey, what's the point of all this? Well, the point is very simply this. I think we need to learn to create an environment of praise and worship where we can get in here and, man, we can sing and we can praise and we can laugh and we can have fun and it can be joyful and it can be contagious and we can leave here and, and get a hold of people and laugh and cut up and learn to be joyful and learn to celebrate. And here's the point. Why? Because I don't know if you've read this book as much as I have, but if you don't know how to celebrate, you're probably not going to do real well in heaven. Because heaven is one big party. In fact, he calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. These same feasts in the Old Testament, he tried to give them a little bit of an understanding of what's to come. And when Jesus was on this earth and he was throwing these different feasts, and like his first miracle, right? His first miracle was saving faith and he was at a wedding and, and he did it a miraculous thing and, he, and his mother comes to him and says, do something, they don't have any more wine and he tells them to go get some big jars and they bring them and he turns the water into wine and he's letting them know that this festival and this, this feast and this, this party and this laughing and this cutting up and this celebratory, like there's a time to celebrate. And I'm just worried I'm worried that in 2023, that the church is losing its voice, not because it doesn't know God's word, but because it stopped learning how to celebrate. And we're getting beaten out by Saturdays in the fall. And we're getting beaten out by different sporting events or, or art events or CMA Fest. Like, I've been watching all these things and CMA Fest, and I'm like, man, I got to figure out, I got to get up to CMA Fest next year. Like, that'd be awesome, right? And I'm like, and I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be so excited to get to CMA Fest, but then be like, well, it's another Sunday. Honey, give me one good reason why I should have to be there. Well, you're preaching. Well, that's a good reason. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> you know? Like, I want us to be like, man, let's go. 
Let's have fun. Let's have joy. And let's celebrate when God does amazing things. Why? Because this is all the practice. This is the walkthrough. I want God to be up there going, not anytime soon, but when it does happen in our congregation, that somebody passes away from crossroads, that God's going, oh man, I, whew, I'm looking forward to that one getting up here because that one, they've been learning how to celebrate for the last many years. They're going to fit in real good in worshiping Christ and celebrating heaven. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.